HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Hey, this is Jimmy Carboni. This is our 14th year. We're at Beer Sessions Radio, and we are here today in the studio at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick. We've been here now, I think, in 2009, the Heritage Radio Network opened up, and it's so great to be back here. Uh, big thanks to uh, Brandon Hoy and the Roberta's Pizza for, for hosting our studio. And uh, Armin Spengen, our engineer today, and we've got two guests. So, guys, let's introduce yourselves. I'm Brett Taylor, uh, co-founder and Hibbert Wally's Brewing Company. I'm Ted Kenny, owner of Top Hops Beer Shops. So w- when I'm in the studio in Roberta's, it's always a chance to to bring in some of my favorites from the New York City beer community. Aww. So we're going to dive into beer. And, and and Brett, you know, Brett is at Wild East. He's one of those guys that worked his way up from being a home brewer, winning awards. And the last time I was at Wild East Brewing, uh, you guys had a, a pre-opening party. It was one of Josh, Josh Bernstein's books. September, so welcome, man. It's, I, I'm going to finally yeah. try your beer. September 2019 was that was that's that was, and here we are, September whatever what year is 2023. Yeah, what a wild, crazy <laughs> journey it's been to get to here. Nothing well, happened between those two. Nothing. And Ted, you know, I mean, we we've all heard about Wild East. I've, I've had some good bottles over, along the way, but it's just nice to sit, sit with you. And I know how busy you are because a couple of times I tried to to get you in last minute and uh so you you're, you're the brewer you're 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 brewing and and uh let's talk about that role you have because you know we 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 hear so much about every brewery is different don't you think so ted it's like they're they're they're, they're not cookie cutter and that's what we like about it so like let's yeah. talk about a couple of your main styles and and what you started with and 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 where you are now yeah, I mean, we wrote this business plan in 2016, 2017, and it was a whole, it's a, it was a very different world than we expected uh, to move the majority of our beer through our tap room. We expected to make a lot of uh, hazy IPA. And, and, you know, obviously the farmhouse side of things was a big part of what we were going to do, and it still is. But um, we had the role with, with um, 
with the punches, uh, not getting, not really getting our first beer in the tanks until late 2019 and then getting into the market, uh, in, in 2020, early 2020, we were, we were still, uh, our, our tap room was supposed to be finishing com- construction around the beginning of, uh, April, 2020. And, um, obviously you all know what happened. So, um, you know, we ended up, we went on the day of lockdown, we went from hundred percent, uh, distribution to 100% to go. And we're a brewery that nobody ever heard of. We weren't even canning yet. We were, we were selling crawlers out the door. Um, it, it was bleak. The, what kept us going was the fact that we hadn't actually closed out all of our um, our loans yet. And the, we were still in the, the bank was still paying our lo- our our, um, our uh, bills for us. So we were able to sort of like skate through the hardest part of that. Um, but yeah, we did not you know, we, we thought we were going to, like I said, make a lot of hazy IPA and farmhouse beer. And kind of, I kind of wanted to be like a, a modern interpretation of, uh, uh, you know, of Russian river sort of, that was always sort of in the back of my mind, what I was trying to emulate. And as it happened, we, uh, you know, we were one of the most prolific brewers of decocted Czech style lager on the East coast of the United States. Uh, you know, who knew you, you go where you go. So Oh, Ted. Tell, Ted, in your words, <laughs> tell us what, what the myth of Wild East is, because for, well, for me, I, when I see Wild East, I want it. Yeah, but what, what I, it, this strikes me kind of funny, because I didn't realize that they had foreseen themselves doing a lot of hazy IPAs um, and, and, uh, and, and you know, wild, wild yeast. I mean, obviously, Wild East, Wild East, it you know, yeah. goes hand in hand. Right. Um, but I've, I've gotten to know Wild East from the... Czech Pilsners and the easy drinking, um, you know, very approachable, you know, great beers that you guys make. And I am so glad that you didn't go the hazy IPA route because we've already got guys that are doing hazy IPAs. And we, you know, uh, it's, it's so, I, I I love when people come in and, and they're, you know, looking to discover different styles of beer and, and, you know, rediscover, you know, the, the great beers that are out there. Um, and not just, you know, there's other things besides hazy doubles and for sure. For sure. I mean, as it happened, like, uh, we make one, we've gotten to the point now where we make a half batch of hazy IPA basically every other month for our tap room and for, uh, for lucky 13, the heavy metal bar directly across the street. That's, that's who gets it. If you ask for it, you can get it uh, out at, out at accounts, but we don't put it on the mailer. Um, and, uh, it's really taken a backseat to other uh, beers. Like uh, I'm, yeah, I got a lot of gray hair here. I I grew up making uh, West Coast IPA, and it's really where my heart is when it comes to hoppy beer. I like it to be bitter and clear and have a bright, punchy dry hop on it. We sell a lot more of that, and people want that from us. So we still make a lot of IPA. It's just it's not it's not what you know what our neighbors and you know you can walk you can walk to threes, fin back another half within all within 20 minutes and they all make, you know, remarkable, you know, if not, you know, something and mostly world-class, uh, hazy beer. And I'm just not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to compete with that. So, um, it just, that made a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's go back to like the, the, you know, the, 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 the Czech style Pilsner. Yeah. You know, um, tell us what, what, what steps to go through to make it the double decoction. Yeah. I know what it is, but it, it still sounds sexy. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah. Uh, and our anniversary 
beer uh, we're making for the second year in a row now. It's called, uh, so this is Patience and Fortitude that we're drinking now. It's our, it's our flagship, um, our flagship Pilsner. It's a, it's a double decocted Czech style, 12 Plato Pilsner. And all that adds up to, uh, if you ever hear the term um, uh, premium Pilsner, this, is, this would be a Czech style premium Pilsner as, a, as opposed to like a lighter Pilsner. Um, it's, it's 4.8% in 4.6 to 4.8%. Um, and it's, uh, it's a, um, basically decoction means we take a portion of the mash and we, we boil it. Um, and what, what happens there is it, it creates a lot of color. It creates a lot of, um, it creates a lot of, uh, like Maillard reactions you would get in, in, in cooking, um, and a lot of like kettle caramelization that, leads to body mouthfeel and a touch of residual sweetness, which is offset by like a big, a big burst of the Sots hops. Um, all of our ingredients in this beer are, are sourced from the Czech Republic. And um, it, as it happens, uh, New York City water is, uh, is very close uh, on, a, on a sort of molecular level to the water in Pilsen. So it was very natural that uh, to, you, to, to make that beer with, it, with what we have here, as far as water goes, and um, also just happens to be my favorite, my favorite style of Pilsner. Um, I like that sort of robust character, and um, we've gone very far down the, the down the the Czech rabbit hole. Um, we were the only brewery, only um, American brewery, to be invited to pour it at um, at Prague Beer Fest this this year. And um, while we were there, we we just we just wow. That's awesome. We nerded out. We went and, and got certified as tapsters. We have three certified ta uh, tapsters. Um, we were all trained by um, last year's uh, national champion um, tapster in the Czech Republic. Um, and so we we pride ourselves on on providing a very uh, a very traditional and uh, genuine sort of Czech. Um, experience when you get our beers. Um, we're very serious about the pour, um, the glassware, um, you know, especially on Tuesdays, our bartender, Robin Fowler is, uh, he's, he's such a student of the game and he, he makes sure that everything is on, on point. It's not so busy like a Saturday or Sunday and you can get like this, like super perfect treatment of the beer. Ted, what, what, what's your feeling about side pours and you know you got to first well, tell, I, us about, I, tell us about where top hops is at because when i met you you, you had opened on orchard street and then you opened at s and essex market mm -hmm. and you and you're a great retailer one, one of the top beer retailers that i know and you know everything definitely so t let's talk about check style pills but side pours and and all the fun stuff well i, I mean, that when he was talking that was what was going through my mind is i have a i have a tap that's a side pour but i don't have it hooked up um, at uh, Essex right now, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get on that. I gotta get this done, um, because it it does make a difference in the in the beer and how you and how you present the beer and how the beer definitely yeah. and and it's uh and it's it's really it looks awesome. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that that was going through my mind. Then like, uh, okay, where is that tap? Where is that <laughs> faucet? And okay, I gotta get this done. Yeah. Um, we're uh. Thank you, Jimmy. We're located in the Essex Market, which is Essex and, uh, and Delancey on the Lower East Side, on the Manhattan side of the Williamsburg Bridge. And we're on the ground floor uh, just above the the stairway that goes down to Market Line. Um, 
which which uh, has another great beer bar there called the Grand Delancey. Grand Delancey, yeah. So we're right upstairs from the Grand Delancey, and we're on the ground floor. And we're, uh, as my original place was, we are a bottle shop and craft beer bar. Um, we we had to scale back and because of a much smaller footprint. We had to scale back, and now we only have about 125 uh, to 150 beers uh, in bottles and cans. Uh, most of them are available cold, um, and we have six uh, tap lines. Now, that's scaled back from our flagship in, on Orchard Street, which we unfortunately had to close during COVID, uh, which had 20 draft lines and 600, sorry, 800 to 850 different bottles and cans. Um, so we scaling back to 120 was difficult. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I love about this show because I've got I've got a, a, a brewer who I've known for years whose whose beers keep getting better, and and a, a retailer who came from the beer industry, and this is pretty cool. One thing about your your shop at Essex Market, I remember when you were first opening it, you had, you had looked, checked out our friends at the Bronx Beer Hall mm-hmm. at Arthur Avenue. Um, just tell us about the, those inspirations because you guys are in the middle of a market. It's kind of like being in the supermarket and serving beer, right? It, yeah, it definitely is. Um, it's a unique, um, it's a unique situation, um, and the, the, they've been doing it up uh, by Arthur Avenue for a number of years. Um, uh, and we we opened up in the old Essex Market as just a bottle shop um, back in two thousand. Uh, 15, which is, I think, the time that they opened up up in the Bronx. If I'm, it's right, it was right around there. We opened up right around the same time. Now, that market is another one of these New York City uh, markets that, that had been set up back in Fiala or LaGuardia set them up. And um, so the one, there's only a few of them that are still... I think they're only yeah, nineteen thirties. Yeah, like the Avenue yeah. Market, Essex Market, and they're only. Mm-hmm. I think they're only Essex still a few that are that are still operating, and uh, so um, we're, you know, it was uh, when we were when they they closed the old Essex Market and they opened up the new Essex Market across the street, and we were able to incorporate the on-premise uh, experience like they do up in the Bronx. Uh, at Essex Market, and it's a it's a fifty thousand square foot market with forty vendors. Um, there's uh, there's three green grocers. There's uh, a fish uh, fish store, a butcher. There's uh, three uh, cheese places. There's two bakeries, one for sweets, one for uh, breads and and muffins and stuff like that. There's about a dozen uh, uh, ven- uh, 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 ready-to-eat vendors, uh, and there's a there's a um, Shopsons. Uh, Shopsons, there's the Taco Mexican Bakery. Well, no, Shopsons is the is the is that crazy diner that was oh, yeah. that was uh, uh, highlighted on one of the on one of the Food Network uh, places, and. They've got a very eclectic menu, and it's a very cool spot. Um, only open, you know, irregular hours. Um, and uh, there's, there's a Fromaggio Essex is a great cheese shop that's got a great uh, gourmet selection. And so there's there's a lot of things. There's Peruvian food. There's German. Uh, 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 what do you call it? The kebab. The German kebabs. Um, 
there's a pizza place, there's an uh, Italian uh, food place from with people from Rome, there's a Japanese deli, Dominican, uh, you know, tacos. I mean, it's got everything you could, you could ever want. Yeah. It's a phenomenal market. No, you, you got to go and drink drink beer. Yeah, and then you know, go, go grab your beer or go grab your food and come back and sit yeah. at the bar and have some great beers. Wow. Hopefully we'll have something from Wild East on tap. We'll definitely have some stuff in the coolers. Yeah. yeah. Let's go Let's go back to Wild East. So just to, to focus you, let, let's talk about the beer that we're drinking, This, the double de- decoction check yeah. pills. Thanks. And you know, you when you explain that you boil it down, yeah, yeah, yeah. honestly, um, I like the way you ex- explained it. Yeah. Because sometimes brewers talk and, and I don't understand them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's so uh, it's... it's um, it's a very old school way of, of, uh, of doing ma- the mash. Um, you know, the Germans kind of started it and I think they've, they've kind of moved on from that because, um, they're very much about technology. Um, and so, uh, they, they don't, they, I think maybe 50, 50, but I'm making that number up. It's not as common for, for German lager brewers to, to, to do a decoction mash anymore. Um, and boil part of their their mash, but um, the the checks um, it's actually it's an it's sort of an unofficial or maybe an actually official um, Rhein uh, their own sort of Reinheitsgebot kind of thing. Um, they it's it you are it's not considered a, a, a Czech style lager if it's not if if you're not pouring that decoction at least once. Um, on my system, for what I want, I find that the the double decoction is what is what works the best. Um, uh, our, our anniversary beer is, uh, so this is patient fortitude. That one's called patience and gratitude. You know, just thank you for supporting us is kind of the idea. It's, um, it's, uh, it's triple decocted, which is the, the very traditional way, like Pilsner or Quell is done. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, it's a, it's a lot of labor, um, but it's, it's a fun beer to make. And in this case, we, um, we're, we're, we're aging it in a fooder. Um, excuse me, that's a large, a very large oak vessel, um, that, uh, we, we purchased from, from, uh, from threes, um, who are, uh, they're, they're one of the, um, first breweries around. I mean, really one of the first breweries in the United States to like, to like really put a lot of effort into oak aging lager. They, um, their food or pills. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is this is their this was their fooder. They had the, they had they've um, had a little bit of a reorganization and and kind of um, had to remove close one of their spaces um, and they've sort of like moved things around. And so they were offloading this, and I was like, well, I mean, I can't. This is an iconic fooder. It's offered to me. I have to buy it. So I did, and um, and so our first beer was also a triple decocted beer that that went through there. It was a collaboration with Threes. Um, and uh, so New York City has come so far that there's already beer history from from threes, which started in like 2014 or yeah, something. Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they're twice as old as us, so if not old, yeah, more than that. So, um, yeah. So, so for him as a drinker, the yeah. difference between a double de- decoction and a triple decoction check style pills. It's, it's pretty subtle difference, but the difference between any kind of decoction and no decoction is pretty noticeable. You can't really fake that. Um, and that's why I think the Czechs care so much about it. And, um, and, you know, for me, that mouthfeel is, is, you know, you can't, you, you, you can't beat that. It's, it's, uh, 
Uh, you know, I hear people, I have people tell me that they prefer German style uh, Pilsner because they, they feel like it's a, uh, it's a, it's a little less like robust. It's, it's, uh, it's a little more crisp. Like there's this tendency nowadays that everybody wants to call lager crisp. And if you're calling a, a, a Czech style lager crisp, you're probably not understanding what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't know um, <laughs> but uh, because like, you know, it's like, they they have a pretty high finishing gravity. The Czech, the Czechs say that the that that their traditional strains of, of yeast that come from Urquell, especially Urquell, will say this. Uh, they're like they're lazy. Um, they finish the gravity's finish high, so the beers finish a little sweet. But like you put it, you put a ton of hops in there to like offset that. They're low alpha acid hops, so they're not super bitter. So you're, you're, you're you just have to add. You're adding so you're you're basically bittering with like high flavor hops. Um, and that's just like how the beer is made, traditionally speaking, and, and, and how that character comes out. Is that why you call it Patience? Well, it's called Patience at 4-2 because uh, it was the very first beer we ever canned. And it was it, we canned it in April 2020. And it was like, it was kind of like, I just said, I said to my business partner, Tyler, who names most of our beers, I was like, just give it a big name. Because this is like a Hail Mary to the universe. And please don't let us die before we even get started. <laughs> so he was like, came up with this. And so Patience and Fortitude for people who, like half the people listening will probably know this. They're the, they're the lions uh, that guard the New York Public Library. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we, we give it. And I always like to have like a literary or cartographic or some sort of nerdy uh, reference if possible or punk rock reference you know those are the, the three places we usually go with our names so um let's go to, so ted the crisp if i said crisp pilsner what's a crisp pilsner? Do you, do you have an example of one do you think of pilsners as being crisp um that's a, you know that's definitely <laughs> one of the <clears throat> one of the words that one of the buzzwords people throw out there all the time um, it's a crispy boy yeah you know it's the uh, first one popped in my head of course is crisp mm-hmm. from six point mm-hmm. um and, uh, but, you know, like more, the, the German, you know, German Pilsners, Kronbacher, uh, Kohlmacher, um, you know, those types of Pilsners, those types of real German Pilsners, um, I'd say that's what I'm thinking about, what I'm thinking about Chris. Crispy boys. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I feel. This, I, I, this is what we're doing tonight. We, we're at the bar. We had the, the Roberta's Innerboro uh, yeah. Palace. Yeah. Was that crisp? I think of Hellas more as being soft. Mm-hmm. Soft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did crisp become? Is that what an Italian pilsner is? It's an Italian style pilsner crisp. I, I think so. Uh, that being said, you know, the, the, uh, yes, I would say probably, but it's such I mean, a young style. Bite. It, it's got it's, it's a crispy pilsner to me. Yeah. It has to have bite and it has to have yeah. a, a, like a sharp finish. Yeah, yeah. Without much of a, uh, you know, without much lingering there right um where it's like the the czech style it's it's much more raw and kind of rough and yeah. it's i mean yeah. it's like it's it's definitely got that good ending bitterness but it lingers for a while there which is something that i i really enjoy i like czech style business one well, thing one thing i noticed when we were there is that with the exception of like the the industrial strength sort of like uh the Urquell that gets like shipped around the world, it's like, you know, f- fined and, and filtered and pasteurized. Like there tends to be a little haze in the beers over in the, in the, in the, the, the pale lagers over there. 
and uh, that you don't get in, in, in like the German styles. Those are expected to be pretty bright. And um, that to me, like is a hallmark of it. I think of, I think of Czech style pale lager as uh, a little bit more rustic than, um, than like a, a German beer. Another way that sets it apart. You know, t- talking about traditions, it, it, a few years ago we had on the, the people from Coat, K-O-U-T, that I know Shelton Brothers were importing. And they were one of the first uh, kind of post-Soviet era Czech brewers mm. that, that was being exported. And um, I wonder if the, the, the Soviet time kind of froze, f- froze the brewing style over there. What do you think? Because it seemed like for a long time they may, may not have even been making beer. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I mean, I don't think uh, they know, but I don't know if we know. <laughs> I think they kept making beer. Like, I think they there's did, one yeah. thing there's, Soviet, there's one thing the people did yeah. behind the Iron Curtain is drink. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and the Czechs drink beer. Yeah. I mean, they drink beer. More than anybody. Yeah. Um, so we just didn't get it. Well, yeah. No, yeah, yeah we didn't get it. Yeah. Like, it reminds me of uh, when Goza came back and people right. started talking about Lipsig and Goza and... It's like, well, why is it salty? Well, because that's the water, they brackish water to brew with. And that's yeah. why, it, and now people are adding sea salt back into right. uh, the brewing process. Yeah. When Lipsig, they, they wouldn't have made a brackish beer if they had a choice. They had to make yeah. it that way. Um, that's classic styles for you. Like the beer, the color of the beer and, and historic styles because yeah. of the water. Like everything's because of the water as they brew with the water they had. Right. And you so. brew with the ingredients you have. Exactly. Yeah. Just so happens in the Czech Republic, you have like some of the best ingredients you can possibly get, and some of the best water. But like, uh, yeah, I mean, doesn't doesn't mean that that beer is any more special than like a London porter or or. Well, to what Jimmy, one of the things that Jimmy was saying is that because of the freezing in time, um, and the Germans moved on, as you, as you mentioned, the Germans are, you know technologically a very yeah you know and they're and they're very precise and they're and they're always looking to improve on things yeah. and in the you know the the pre uh breakup of the soviet union they didn't have that you know i i, I we don't really Next know beer. but i don't think they really um Next beer. i don't think re- they really had the opportunity yeah. to Let's move on to advance the technology in czech republic yeah, yeah that, and so that's sense. why they're still doing. It kind of makes sense because you didn't you didn't have like the brewing. you know post World War II modernization of everything. And, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm also glad you guys on your own without me prompting you. The the big note for today was talking about classic styles. Oh yeah, got guys like Jeff Alworth. Or, or, I think classic styles do not never go away. No, and <laughs> I'm always ready to 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 drink one that I haven't had in a while. And and I, I always think you're never in. You always can have a rebirth with classic styles. It's like, yeah, it's like a. Uh, I'll probably I'll probably make a bad reference here, but uh, but please understand what I'm getting at. It's like an Armani suit or a or a Tiffany diamond. Like it's never going to go out of style. Maybe those are bad examples because I like I said I'm not very fashionable. That's okay. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean I I think like like. I'll, I'll say this as somebody who um, who makes a lot of lager and makes a lot of English style uh, ales right now. Um, I'm, we have a huge. I mean, you know, that's a tangent. Like we have a really big uh, uh, cast program that that's like that's happening right now. Uh, but um, 
I see a lot of the breweries who have made a lot of IPA over the last 10 years are starting to make those kinds of beers to try to diversify things a little bit. And I, I feel very seen. I'll just say that. <laughs> well, that's great because I, I was starting to, um, and I know a lot of other beer guys that I've, that I've talked to over the last few years were just like, you know, I started, I started to say, you know, we got out of, when I, when I found the world of craft beer and found beers that had flavor and, and, and different things, it was it, the only beers that were available uh, were the same European lagers, yeah. American pale lagers. It was it. It was, it was, it was, you know, you went to a store and there were 15 or 20 different brands of beer that all tasted, you know, yeah. pretty much yeah. the same. Totally. And I started to feel the same way when I would go to a tap room and see, you know, different, different takes on four different hops yeah. for six different IPAs, hazies, then double IPAs. And yeah. you'd see one lager and one Saison up there. And I'm like, eh, come on guys, let's, you know, we, yeah. there's, there's a great big world out there and, you know, let's get back yeah. to that. But, but Hey, what, so you, you switch this up. What did you, what, yeah. oh, yeah. the next beer? So this is lucidity. This is our, this is our table beer. Um, it's a, it's, it's, it's a quick two months in the fooder. Um, it's a little, it's a light little hundred percent New York ingredients. Uh, um, yeah, little Saison. Um, it's, uh, it's can conditioned. Um, so like same as like you would bottle condition, but in cans, what we found, um, this is a, this is, this is one of those modern things that I'm not necessarily in love with, but my job is to, besides make beer, sell beer. <laughs> and, and so we found that, that like, on your, that's on your business card it's right? on my it's not on my business card but it's on my business plan uh for whatever that's worth at this point um but uh so what we found is like you know, we could have made this beer and put it in 500 milliliter bottles we could put it in 750s and we could have let it watch it sit on shelves but we put it in four packs we take a hit on the margin and we watch it go out the door if it sits in the food if it only needs to sit in the fooder for two months i can make this beer you know four times a year it needs another month say and it can and keg the condition but um it's an easy it's an easy beer to make it's 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 cheap on ingredients it's a repitched yeast and bacteria culture and uh and you know a quick can conditioning you know it doesn't it doesn't take forever it's just a nice crisp light little beer um this this is the modern this is the modern world where you know people want everything in cans and so I'm eating them halfway. It's can conditioned. It's re-fermented in the can. Um, so the the you when you I saw you, when you poured it, it's mostly head to start because I tried to uh, uh, carbonate it like a Belgian style beer because it is, um, uh, you know. So it's um it's just a light, refreshing little beer that tart. It's what are what am I calling it now? Three point eight percent. It's a perfect beer for today. It's yeah. mid nineties out there, yeah. and absolutely the, brutal. And I could, I could drink this all my, day. My first taste. <laughs> at first, I thought it was a goza because we were talking about gozas. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were riffing on yeah, ten. No, no, just a little saison. I thought so too. Yeah, <laughs> we thought. Yeah, and then I was like, Ted was so flattered. He's like, I, I meant whatever I talk about. Well, Brett's gonna. It just happens. Taste me. <laughs> Goza? Then what's next? <laughs> it is. Um, I've never made a Goza actually. I've I've intended to, but we um, we have a big Berliner Weiss program. Our um, 
one of our one of our oak, oak uh, vessels is um, just basically dedicated to making uh, no boil like um, traditionally made Berliner Weiss. Um, that you know another one of those modern things. I would like to put that beer out and make the syrups available, the Woodruff and the raspberry syrup. But uh, you know, it sells beer better if I put like a combination of uh, of uh, fruit fruit in it and call it spritz or put watermelon and lime <laughs> in it and call it sandia that sells really well actually they're really good beer so I, I enjoy making it but like you know this is the you, you have to like take your your like um your traditional take on beer and you also have to like it has to be modern you have to you can't just you can't just try to make like like classic style for the sake of classic style. You, it's, you know, the uh, root, you root it in classic style and then, and then you spin it forward. Um, I'm, I mean, patience of fortitude, I'm not spinning it forward in any way. I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make like the most classic, uh, Czech style beer, but, um, but with a beer like, yeah, with, with, with the, 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 those, uh, Berliner Weiss type beers, um, I would, you know, those we keep super so modern. styles evolve. Right, right. So that's yeah. why I don't make a Goza. The same as if I would, if there was probably a time when sugar was harder to get and more expensive, and I don't know, maybe it was two hundred years ago. Suddenly, sugar wasn't as expensive. People started making jams, and jam, exactly. jams right. were considered a, a treat. Yeah, totally. Yep. <clears throat> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, when you talk about classic styles and you talk about Czech, I, I am going back in time. I'm thinking about that that great book about pills uh, that came out a couple of years ago. It might have been. Uh, Tom something I can't even remember. Oh. I'm bad. He was on the show, okay. but it was it's kind of talking about how it went from Germany to um, you know to, to, to Czech and back and forth mm-hmm. and those those early styles and and I, and I do wonder I I I I I feel like right now everyone's in love with with Czech style beers and I love them. Notch up in Massachusetts, yeah. you know everyone's got a, a side pour is, re- is really sexy and a great way to drink beer. Yeah. And you almost feel like you have to be thankful that that the Czech Republic was in this little time capsule yeah, because you yeah. know it, it could have just gone away, yeah. and we see yeah. that with a lot a lot of traditional styles. What totally. what about us about let's let's go back to the Czech because I, I didn't realize how much you you were into the the traditional Czech styles, Brett, and I'm really proud of you. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I find it so it, at least for conversation and drinking, yeah. it's good. Um, Absolutely. M- more about these steps, like yeah. how sacred is your brewery, like. That you just mentioned, there's one place you're doing one vessels for balloonor vice. Yeah. How, how do you break that down? How do you treat the area around? You know, when you're fermenting the the Czech style lagers. Yeah, I mean, is there like so, a no, you know. No, no, no. I mean, it's it's you know we're we're in a seven thousand crosses. And- <laughs> <laughs> we're in a seven thousand square space. foot, uh, you know, a New York City uh, industrial space. So you know we're we're packed Cut in. My finger and put a piece of blood in it every <laughs> month. <laughs> Um, there's a lot that we always joke about any beers we've made with Britannomyces that there's, oh, there's Brett in that. And like, we we're worried that people think I'd like put my finger, my hand in there and swirl it around. But, uh, Your blood. <laughs> that's right. Sweat. It's my, it's blood my blood. It's not my, it's not my hand. It's my blood. Um, uh, yeah, no, I mean the, yeah, I mean, it's not to say sacred. It's hard to say, like, uh, the Berliner Weiss tank is that because, you know, it's sort of like with the mixed fermentation um, tanks, like once you have, especially the, I mean, I can turn a, a stainless tank back into a, a clean side tank with, you know, uh, heavy chemicals 
and uh, an autoclave. But I, but once you put anything, any kind of wild yeast or bacteria into oak, it's there forever. So I have I have the one fooder, the three fooder that's that's a dedicated lager fooder. Um, otherwise, like I have um, I have one that's dedicated to our our um, flagship saison uh, contour interval, and um, one that's dedicated to uh, that Berliner Weiss, um, which is ca- kind of always keeps a, a, a foot in the sour the sour game for us, um, because you know when times are lean, which they usually are. It's hard for me to make a lot of barrel-aged sour beer. Uh, it's you know, it costs money. It you know, it's time and it's time intensive. It sits for a long time. Usually, you know, usually it needs to be fruited, which I don't. I wouldn't use purees for those types of beers. Fresh fruit's also expensive, um, and then I have to buy glass bottles. That's expensive. I have to pay two other people to to help me bottle. That's expensive. So it's. Uh, so barrel-aged sour beer is something that doesn't get made quite as much as I would like to have. Um, but the Berliner Weiss uh, lets me have a sour beer on all the time that doesn't take as much labor and doesn't take as much effort to package. We keep them basically as draft only. Um, and at the moment, they're mostly taproom only. We did release some uh, in August uh um, oh, we t- said we were going to talk about sales, but August is very bad for beer sales, sales in New York City. And um, we sent we sent a bunch of stuff out to d- distribution because, like, yeah, just needed to get it out there. Um, but, um, yeah, so uh, as far as, like, the Czech stuff goes, like, I, you know, it's a production brewery. So there might be a Czech style beer in, in a fermenter one day. Um, and then it go, and then, you know, the next week, two weeks later, there might be, uh, Italian Pilsner in there, or, uh, you know, we do a Hellas, uh, we do, we do German style lager, um, as seasonals. We just don't have any flagships and we've gotten into this hoppy lager thing, which I think allows us to make use, uh, traditional techniques, but make sort of really modern beers. I'm using a lot of IPA type types of hops, but like with a very subtle hand. Um, and so. Just trying to like push the envelope a little bit with that and see where we can go, um, and maybe I'll, I'll be able to quit making uh, New England IP entirely if people think my hoppy loggers check the box. You so. never know; tra- tra- <laughs> trends change, classic right. styles always come back. And exactly. hey, you know, we're, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. 
Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Hey, you guys support us, become a member at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, it's so great to be back in the studio. We're at Roberta's Pizza indoors in this Heritage Radio Network studio that's been here since 2009. And big shout out again to Roberta's Pizza and Brandon Hoy. Thanks so much for su- supporting our network. And uh, this to me, what do you guys think? I've got Brett Taylor from Wild East. And, and Ted Kenny from uh, Top Ops. Isn't this the greatest place in the world to drink beer? No, it's so oh, fun. Oh, yeah. It's such a great spot. And thanks, Armin's Benjamin, for being our engineer and keeping everything going. So we're talking we're talking about Wild East and Top Hops. And uh, we first, were, before we came in, we were sitting at the bar at Roberta's. Uh, they started talking about August sales. And, you know, it doesn't hurt <laughs> to talk about trends. And in New York City, it seems that, that a lot of people go away in August. And, Ted, you've, you've been capitalizing on that. You've, you've got this little top pops. What's, what's your go. think on? Well, you've got a van that can go to parties and things. Yeah, we've got a, a, a tap truck. It's a uh, it's an Italian um, Piaggio Ape, um, which we it's the same company that makes Vespa, and Vespa means wasp, and Ape means bee. So the Vespas are the, are the um, you know the the, the sexy uh, scooter, and. The, uh, Bread, if he has one more beer, that is it. <laughs> okay. And the Ape is the is is basically it's like the bumblebee next to the wasp, um, but it's a you, you see these all over the place in, in Southeast Asia they call them tuktuks, and it's they call it a tuktuk because that's the sound the engine makes tuk 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 tuk, and but you see them everywhere you've seen them in movies if you've ever been to Southeast Asia you see them they use them as cabs they use them as trucks they use them. Um, all kinds of, uh, you know, all kinds of industrial, you're an in, industrial in, uses. I'm asking because you're an innovative retailer, man. Right. So we, we went from bottle shop to this market bar, and now you're doing portable bars. Right. So now, so we took one of these tuk-tuks, we put a, we put a, uh, a box on the back of it with a refrigeration and a tap system. And we've got uh, six taps on it, and we uh, we do mostly uh, mostly parties at people's houses, and uh, and some corporate gigs and some private. And club did, what did you put like it on that. a trailer and dro- drop it off? I actually I actually uh, pull it into the back of my uh, Dodge Promaster van. In fact, Jimmy, you saw my van. That's outside. It's yeah. inside the van right now. <laughs> it's that small. Wow. It's that small. Yes, it's four and a half feet wide, nine feet long, and I can fit it inside the van. That's amazing. Um, and so it's uh, we've been having a you know a, a lot of fun with it. It was part of the uh, you know the COVID pivot, and you know trying to go where the customers are, and trying to bring we're you know we're like we want to bring the tap room uh, to your backyard, and so we can we can uh, we can have six different beers, we can have wine and beer, you know we can have wines, we can have. Uh, Draft cocktails, whatever you need. There's one more step from be, being a bottle shop and, and delivering for a party. You can actually, uh, yeah, bring, can bring that in out. and have yeah. a party at the the little yeah. van. You know, wow. you can you can rent this out. You can have you know a bunch of wild east beers on on tap at your mm-hmm. you know at your party. And when I get rich, <laughs> it's not that much. Yeah, yeah, it's it's surprisingly accessible. How do That's we awesome. how do That's we awesome. find out about that one? Because I know, right? I know it's top hops, but what is that called again? It's uh well it's it's on the Top Ops website or the um, topops.com or the uh, the Top Ops Instagram page. That's uh, great. At Top Ops. And then Brett, th- another beer. So yeah. the whole point of today is, is I wanted to hang out with you 
here, here where you're at and, and taste your beers. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So this is three, three of my four sort of like, uh, um, I brought you three of my four, uh, kind of like what, where, where we go, where we are with beer at the moment. And, um, and so, um, this, uh, this is our, our West coast, our first West coast paleo. We do a lot of West coast, uh, IPA, as I mentioned, but this is our first paleo, um, it's a fun little, uh, um, Centennial Chinook Strata and, and, uh, cashmere beer. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, just like, I just wanted to, just wanted to make those classic, that classic pale ale that we sort of, um, grew up with, but, uh, but uh, a little bit of a modern spin on it. Um, it's great, man. Thank I'm you. loving it. Cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, we started talking about things like crispy and, uh, yeah. other things. <laughs> what, what are people asking for when they go into a tap room these days? Mm. I mean, do they do they want to try a lot of things still? They do, yeah. But like, I mean, our so our top selling beers are usually, if I look at any given day, it's usually sometimes on Saturdays it's the New England IPA, but typically it's like it's patience and fortitude. Um, our our Italian pilsner, uh, La Ultima Moda, which we have most of the time, um, and then it'll be like it'll be like. It's, a, it's always some, I should just back up. It's some combination of like Czech style pills, Italian pills, um, West Coast IPA, one or two of the mixed fermentation beers. Um, and then, um, you, yeah, I mean, I, I say that's probably our top five. Uh, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice mix. I'm, I'm seeing the beers that I want people to have. Um, it's not like, it's not like. I'm trying to push everybody in a certain direction by like making a, a lot of, a lot of like English style beers and traditional style beers and they're not selling and everybody's just going for that hazy beer anyway. There are times that that is the top selling beer, but it's usually going to be like that mug, that mug of people see that mug of, uh, of, um, of, of patience and fortitude, that golden, beautiful beer with that like big, like three or four, fingers of head on top of it and they're like i want that or they'll see like like one of our various uh pink uh, uh sour sour beers and they're like yeah i want that um so like yeah the beer the like a lot of it is like people see the beer it sells itself yeah and then for, for you brett you know now that you guys have been open what is it for, for four years just about four years now three four years going on 50 uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, yeah, I guess 2020, we'll call it 2020, call it three. We're going to celebrate our thirty, our third anniversary, grand anniversary three. It's coming up in uh, October. So That's great, man. Yeah. And you're in a special part of Brooklyn right now. Yeah. Is it, you call it Gowanus still, where you yeah, are? We see, yeah, it's still Gowanus, yeah. It's changing massively. By three's other half, and yeah. then back Brooklyn. Yeah, and stronger up the regional location. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's been rezoned. So there are probably, somebody told me 80,000 units worth of, uh, 80,000 units of, of new, uh, housing being built at the moment. Yeah. Residential. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. They rezoned the, all the, almost all the M zone got turned into, uh, got turned into mixed use. So we have, um, if you walk any direction from our space, you you'll hit like five to 10 construction sites within five minutes. Like there are so many buildings going up. It's crazy. So I guess you can say you got in early. Yeah, I don't think anybody else can get in there because I think I've heard I've heard like 
40 a foot is the going rate for for non yeah for like people trying to get like trying to get spaces and like yeah that's not we would have never signed for 40 a foot we wow. would not be in that neighborhood and then brett going back you know the it, it seems not that long ago but it, it seemed that the path to becoming a brewer in new york city used to be you you, you got involved as a home brewer you yeah. got involved in competitions yeah and and now is, is that still the case or do you feel like that there's opportunities for people to just jump in and start interning at a brewery uh, I mean, so I had an assistant brewer for, for a while. She moved on. She's, she's great. Um, she never homebrewed in her life. Um, she had been, she brought, came in as a bartender, um, and, and basically said, I'm interested in learning the production side of things. And I was like, sure. Um, I mean, she had had a little bit of experience, um, elsewhere and, um, uh, gave her the opportunity. Um, and she just grew into, into the, the role and, and um, just kept getting better and better and learning more and more. And um, same with our sales rep, our, our, who's, you know, basically brand ambassador, head of sales and our, our, um, our uh, head of logistics. Uh, yeah, I know he's a Jack of all trades guy. All, all three of them started as, as uh, bartenders and uh, during COVID and we, we needed, we needed a lot of other, other roles filled. They requested, they, they said what they wanted to do and we gave them the opportunity and all of them flourished. So I think that um, there's a lot of ways into these jobs. And I think it's just, I think a lot of times a foot in a door, a good work ethic and, uh, and um, you know, just. just you're, you're a small, small business, but what, what are some of the jobs that, that, that people can do on the, on the, the brewery side and the production side? You mean in terms of just in general? In, at, in as, at a small brewery like yours, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people probably start in, um, like, on the on the packaging side of things. Like, you help with, like, canning day. A lot of people bring in, um, a lot of people bring in mobile canners. Uh, and so, you know, the, the, the mobile canners, they, they get the beer from your tank into the can. It's your responsibility to catch the can and, uh, and then, you know, put the pack text on it, put it in the, in the, and the trays and then palletize. Um, but there's a lot more to it than that. And, and so somebody might start doing that, but then they might learn, um, about like how the, you know, dial in the carbonation. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of like micromanagement that needs to go on on a canning day. And then a lot of these breweries then upgrade into a, getting their own canning line. So you might go that direction. So you can just be in packaging all the time. Um, a lot of people start in a cellar as well. I started, I so so my former assistant, she started, yeah, on packaging. Then she moved into the cellar, and then she moved into brewing. Um, more mistakes can happen on the packaging side. Is kind of, or I'm sorry, on the on the cellar side than in than in actual brewing. But uh, um, so I, it's kind of weird that people start in that, but just this is how the industry works. And uh, so yeah, I would say. To answer your question most succinctly, it's uh, yeah, starting packaging, starting starting seller, starting brewing, um, and then of course there's like sales, marketing, uh, doing the whole sort of uh, social media aspect of of this is not easy. Uh, it takes a special skill, and I don't know what that is. <laughs> but for the beer <laughs> side, it's it. <laughs> packaging, cellaring, and and brewing. Yeah, that's the probably in the broadest strokes. Yeah, and there's yeah. also like the warehousing and and logistics which is very important and then ted to wrap it up 
for you and, the, and, and I'm gonna say old days because old days it was different. If you had a if you had a beer bar, p- part of what always happened was that a, a brewery was was trying to get a tap on, on your draft system. And what does it take? Is that still? Do, do you feel that it, it's a make or break for certain breweries to, to be on your on your tap system, or well, what does it take <clears throat> to get on your tap system? Um, it it definitely used to be make or break. When, I, when we opened up Top Hops in 2012, uh, we fully expected uh, the, the growler business, because growlers hadn't even come out yet. Yeah. Um, we, we fully expected the growler business to be an enormous part of our, yeah. uh, you know, it was like, like you were saying earlier with the, with the sales uh, sales plan it's like, or the business plan. It's like, hmm, throw that out. Yeah. Um, almost immediately, uh, the... The mobile canning unit uh, came into bay, and I remember when, you know, some there was a couple of guys that came in from one of the early mobile canning places, and they're explaining what they were doing, and I was like, "Wow, you guys are going to go gangbusters!" Yeah. And I had, yeah, I had only had an inkling of what they were going to actually yeah. end up doing, and uh, the back in 2012 and before that, if you didn't, the only way craft beer. You had to, you sold it by the glass or you sold it by the keg. Yeah. And there was no other way to sell it. Yeah. And yeah, so growlers, you know, had begun to be a big thing. Um, but really, there were only a few, especially in New York, there were only a few places that were filling growlers at bars. And, you, you know, there were only a, there were really only a handful of breweries in New York at the time. Yeah. Um, and, you know when they when they you know, it seems quaint now, doesn't it? That you could go, exactly. go to your tab and go home. You'd have a growler, a branded growler in your refrigerator. Yeah, yeah. Three days later, in it, big yeah, maybe big it glass wasn't. jug. You, you open that thing back up, you pour it, and you go, oh, oh, it's all flat. Yeah, um, you and didn't be, drink sixty four ounces all in one seating, or right? Yeah, everybody, or? <laughs> it was like everybody would buy. But I a got growler. I got the branded yeah. growler. Everybody yeah. everybody would grab a growler. They'd yeah. say. Um, you know, oh, I can't uh, believe we're talking about this, and I some know. of our listeners to even to <laughs> think that this was people used to actually line up for this stuff. Yeah, and and you know, you know, people would always ask, "How long does it keep?" And I'm like, "Well, it'll keep about three or four days if you don't open it." Yeah. <laughs> but that's about yeah. it. Yeah. And then they're like, "But what if I have a beer and and you know and then put it back?" I'm like, uh, "No, that's like it's like putting back a you know a, yeah. a Pepsi can." Yeah, it's not exactly. You know, it's going flat, yeah. fast, and oxidized. Yeah, and uh, it's just not. I used to have it. like twenty. I have one now, and it's it's. This is a this is a, a shout out to all the OG people. I, it's beer craft. That's the one I own. <laughs> I would never lose that one. <laughs> That's awesome. I I'm I'm the pack rat that can't throw these things away. Oh, so gosh. I still have. You just save stuff in fifty years. It'll be yeah. know, considered important. I have I have yeah. one from Shanghai, yeah. and I just can't let that go. Uh, Box and Cat uh, Brewery in Shanghai, oh, um, and I've got yeah, I've got a, a few others, and I just like I just yeah. can't let yeah. them go. Um, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah, guys, I think I actually rinsed out a couple of them. It's nice to because that touch the surface on on uh, what's going on. You know, Wild East is doing Czech style pills, man, and I'm so happy for you. And t- and Ted's doing mobile bar, but we're still talking about growlers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, doesn't seem like that That's long a ago. A lot of gray hair in this room. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> And I just want to say thanks so much, Brett from Wildies and, and Ted from Top Ops. Thanks so much for coming out here, Roberta's. We might stay and have a pizza together, hang out, and yeah. big shout out Armin Spengen, our engineer. 
Thanks so much. Uh, 14 years, Beer Sessions Radio, Heritage Radio Network. Thanks so much. We'll catch you next time. All right. Woo! Thank, Thank you, you, Jimmy. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.